tree where they lay down a dollar or two Where they drive round the bend and they come back and then Lord, a jug full of good old Mountain Dew This is Shelly Smith and the Reads and Weeds crew. Hey. Hi. And uh, this is Somewhere in the Teens show. I keep, <laughs> we keep doing more. 15? Maybe. I don't know. I'll count them up and be for sure next time. But I think I said that the last couple of times. Because I'm not sure whether to count that one that nobody listened to. Because uh, we were in San Diego and nothing got recorded. So I'm like, do I count that? It did happen. It, we just have zero evidence. I would it. count it. Okay. Yeah. Um, it'll be like the secret, you know, only yeah. the true fans know about that like one. A, like a point five episode, like a 1.5. Oh, yeah. Or... We could do halves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great idea. That won't be confusing. It'll be easy to market. It'll make sense. Um yeah, so that intro music, we're, today we're talking about um, The Mars Room by Rachel Kushner, which I loved. It was, refer- it was referred to me by my friend and former colleague, Darcy Piedmont, and she knows her books because she works for a company that, you know, is all the publishers, all the um, online reviews. She regularly is dealing with the largest publishers in the country, and so... She recommended it. I was very excited. And in the book, one of the sh- she has this wonderful scene, which we're going to talk about later, where uh, Richard Nixon is. It's like in within a story, somebody is watching Richard Nixon on the Grand Old Opry, and he's talking about American music and how country music is American music, and 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 all the music is about like. Somebody killing somebody, somebody coming home drunk, somebody wanting to do something terrible to somebody. I mean, that feels pretty American. Right, right. (laughs) But she just slips in this commentary in the middle of this story, Mm -hmm. and I thought it was brilliant. So she names a bunch of songs in there. So that intro music was by uh, String Bean, it was called, who, Who Was Murdered. He was murdered by a couple who was like drunk and robbing him and all this stuff. And Richard Nixon is talking about string bean on, on the grand old Opry or yeah, I think that's what it was. So, or was it hee haw? I'll look it up. It was grand Grand old Opry. Opry. Yeah. Anyway. So we're going to talk about, um, the Mars room by Rachel Kushner, which was an amazing book. I really loved it. Um, I'm eager to see what my guests think. And we're going to talk about cannabis and we're going to talk about, what everybody's been doing, and um, my friend Darcy might call in, but she's a busy mom, and it's the end of school, so that could also be a pipe dream. See what I did? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so first, I know, why don't we have a rim shot? Jeez. Um, Production failure. (laughs) Shots. Gosh, I can only do so much. Um, So, first of all, I'm with... Angie May Ammon mm-hmm. and Amanda Smith. Hello. Hi. Um, this is Amanda's first time with us, and uh, this is the first book she's ever read. Ever. <laughs> ever. <laughs> and she did so well. She, yeah, she was a real champ. She was like, where are the pictures? <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. And no pictures in this one. <laughs> and so she she fought it for a minute. We're like, no, no, reading's cool. And she got through it. And mm-hmm. so really good. <laughs> I appreciate your peer pressure <laughs> slash support. So tell me how you guys know each other and what made you decide to come hang out. Um, we I've met we met at a bar. Actually, it sounds like the yeah beginning of a horrible joke. No, no, no. It's just people meet at a bar. Uh, we met at like a burlesque show. Did we or something? Or I mean, I gotta say, I don't a, remember. Through a different friend, but yeah, I do know that we met through another friend, but I can't recall exactly when that meeting happened. Right. Oh my god, I totally remember the first time I met you. I was like, who is this gorgeous woman? Oh, Stop. really? Oh. <laughs> when was it? Mm-hmm. Would have been a couple of years ago, yeah. at least. Because yeah. um, I think I've known Leslie for maybe three years. So, yeah, probably somewhere between. Ha, I've known her longer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Yeah, she was. Yeah. Leslie was one of those people, too, that I, I had. It was kind of like that. I met mm-hmm. I, like I saw her and I was just like, oh, my God, this woman is crazy. Like, she's beautiful, mm-hmm. but she's very much. Like she's very down to earth, but she's very eclectic as well. And mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't, I don't know how to it's describe her. It's a coolness factor. Cool. Yeah. When you have it, you just have it. That's just true. Have it. Yeah. You just have it. Like when you're indoors and you're wearing heart shaped shades and yeah. your hair is blue and green, yeah. and you're just like, I got. It. Or you're wearing like a lightning dress. Yeah, you know, it's, it's got pockets. And it's got pockets. A and lightning a, dress a with hood. pockets and a hood. Oh my god. No sleeves. I might though. need to get so like. When it's that raining, exact dress. your hair is good. Yeah. No, everything yeah. is good. Because the fabric on this dress is, you can touch it. Okay. Thank <laughs> you. Isn't that crazy? You can touch mine, too, if you want to. I do. Oh, yeah. It's real thin. Yeah. It's real nice. Gonna, Does anybody want to touch yeah. me? Yeah. Got it. <laughs> of course we do. And this is getting off track. <laughs> of course we do. <laughs> of course it is. So, so Amanda, what made you want to jump on the show? Uh... It just sounded like a lot of fun. And I, I listened I listened to some of the episodes and I was like, These people are cool. Yeah. <laughs> I hang out with them. Oh good. Oh, that's fun. Um, that is a dream come true. So <laughs> I uh it really is. Like <laughs> that's what I dreamed would happen. And it is. Just for the hell of it, uh today. I w- you know, when you've got a new Facebook page, they're always telling you what to do. And mm-hmm. I don't want to look at it because it's so intrusive and confusing about how to do it all. For me, at least. And so today it's just like, you haven't invited all the friends to, to like Reads Weeds. And I'm like, okay. And I just sent out an invite. So, you know, it went to like my former church choir <laughs> director. Oh, no. and my, you know what I mean? My brother's coworkers. It's like, here you go. Now, now Guess I'm out of the old <laughs> closet. <laughs> You're also going to find out who all the low-key yeah. people oh, yeah. are in your life. No, I think most people are like, oh, that's uh-huh. Shelly. Like, you know, like they just aren't even, they don't realize they just like the cannabis. I'm like, oh, that, that guy probably doesn't know what it's about. But what ups? <laughs> <laughs> They're getting ready to. That's fine. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So all of a sudden it was like, I went off Facebook wrong, came back on. It's like, you have 76 new likes. And I'm like, oh, no. Okay, I need to figure out what the hell I'm doing. So one thing I was just telling her, I think you're in the bathroom, is uh, so I made a onesie, I made a coffee mug, and I made a um, hat, trucker hat. But wouldn't you love to have a little journal that you could just write in, like, your notes for the books and the notes about the weed you're smoking? Um, 
possibly branded you but, know reason we's branded but like that's why i stopped writing notes for the for the books that we read because uh-huh. i don't remember what the notes were for once i get here <laughs> and i'm stoned and but I, I could probably say i think it's about this maybe help you but do you remember you. do you remember when we tried that like no I, yeah <laughs> a disaster (laughs) but like even as i'm reading the book and taking the notes i'm like why am i what am i doing like i'm (laughs) totally wasting my time here so i stopped i i wrote a paragraph and then i was like i'm not gonna fucking use this and it's lit it's on the living room table i know thanks for your flood i just make a like a quick note like something to prompt me i know but even the prompts don't you guys Um, i am awesome yes (laughs) You That's are. what you meant to say. I have I memory problems. Awesome. It's okay. It's okay. As long as you remember that we love you. <laughs> I feel it. Okay, good. So, um, oh, so something that happened since the last time we were all together is that Angie and I uh, went to the Wheel of Fortune Ooh. auditions oh, together. Yeah. yeah, we did. And it was fantastic. Oh, my God. It was a beautiful day. We parked what we uh, thought was close, but instead we ended up walking like four miles mm-hmm. that day. Because we're like, yeah. first we went like a mile in the wrong direction because we were like looking at the directions wrong. Turned around and we're like, oh, we're close. But we weren't. Oh. We weren't close, but it was no. still a beautiful day. And it was fun. And she didn't get to get on stage, but... Uh-huh. We whooped it up. It was, yeah, no. Yeah. We well, had gold really stars for getting your steps in for the day. Oh, yeah. 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 We t- also, <laughs> I think it was the last time I wore the sloth dress, and I was thinking, like, Wheel of Fortune, kind of like the sloth dress, is universally appealing. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're like, I don't like Wheel of Fortune, you're just, you're probably a dick. Yeah. You yeah. probably sure. like sloths. Yeah, for you probably sure. probably like sloths. Die mad about it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yes oh my gosh it was fun what we were talking about is the line was so like general public you know like you know how if you go up to like if you were to go to the necto on a friday or monday there would be like the necto line this is clearly a line <laughs> to get into the necto or you go like to get into the republican national convention you'd be like okay yeah this is <laughs> but at wheel of fortune Everyone is welcome. Oh, everybody <laughs> everyone was welcome. Everyone is welcome. Mm. And they're so happy to be together. Yeah. They're ready to play yeah. the wheel. It was it was a really good time. And what yeah. was what was yeah. funny was like while we were in line, um, for the most part everybody looked normal, right? Like just regular people standing in line. Yeah. And then once we got into the um, into the amphitheater and um, we were we were sitting down and we're kinda like looking around then all of a sudden, all these people broke out these, like, crazy hats that had, like, the wheel on it and, like, yeah. these shirts and all these giant posters. And mm-hmm. we're like, whoa, we came really unprepared <laughs> for this. Like, I've just been memorizing letters, you know? And these people have, like, these giant signs. And it was so yeah. funny. But don't they do that on the show? I don't know. Like, yeah, probably. I know they do it on Price is Right yeah. and yeah. Let's Make a Deal and stuff. Yeah. It's just like, you oh, know what? I understand. I think I'm thinking of Price is Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, Wheel of Fortune is oh, basically yeah. like, give me <laughs> a J. Have, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'd like to solve it. Common phrase, <laughs> pass that joint. 
That's okay. it, Angie. Woo! Tell us about yourself. Okay, wait. I totally thought you were talking about prices right. I mixed the two things <laughs> That's up. That's so funny. But I call Wheel of Fortune Wheel of Misfortune <laughs> because it's like torture to me. I can't do it. No, it's like, and see, here's the thing. Like, people are always on there. Like, why do you have to buy a vowel? Yeah, stop buying unnecessary vowels. Why are they so vowels? special? I don't know. But here's the thing. If you know that there's like an A, don't don't spend $350 buying the freaking a that's that's stupid like the point is to you know can we just reinforce so you're right buying a vowel doesn't make sense these are also people who are like you know what's a good financial plan (laughs) getting on a game (laughs) show okay i feel attacked (laughs) so i'm not attacking you i partied that day that was a fun day and who's gonna who's gonna reap the benefits when i actually get to go on wheel of fortune for real and i win the monies well, not now you're not. <laughs> Fine. Remember, Ma- Marty, Marty was like, Marty was like, if you get, if you get a wheel of fortune, can I be your person to sit in the audience? And I was like, why is that a question? He's like, well, I didn't know if you'd take Shelly. <laughs> I was like, I can take you both. Yeah, it would be a fun trip, actually. Yeah. Um, so I think also, oh, last time this happened last week too, a week ago today, I was asked at the last minute to host and do comedy at the Women of Cannabis Conference at the Rooster Tail. And it was just somebody was on a Facebook uh, comedy site and uh, said, hey, do we know anybody out there who's a woman who knows about cannabis who does comedy? And I'm like, that is those, my exact those, description. Yeah. Those <laughs> things are me. Is that in your, is that in your Tinder dating profile? Mm-hmm. Sure. It is. That's it's, awesome. Yep. I would date and, you. Uh, <laughs> and, then, uh, and so suddenly just like I am going. I'm going to emcee this all-day conference that I just found out about yesterday. And so it was really fun. It was really, Maybe that's why I have so much weed in my bag because people were like, here. Probably. I think they thought I was in charge of something or like important because I was on stage all the yeah, time. Yeah, you definitely roll with that. They were like, like at the after party, this woman was was like talking to me like I was the founder <laughs> of this group. I'm like, oh no, no 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 no! I just like had a sheet that I made notes <laughs> on. I just announced people and I just like acted confident, but. And it was great, but all day long it was like, hey, that person's not here. <laughs> that sponsor didn't show up. Can you just like, and then this person wants to go an hour later. Is that fine? This segment's going to start 45 minutes later. And I'm just like, <laughs> okay. And everybody was just like, it was perfect. We learned so <laughs> much. And and so it was, look at this. Do you see this? Mm-hmm. Oh, baby. Um <laughs> Nice. Todd has taken the liberty of putting a bunch of Wheel of Fortune stuff up on the screen, and now it's all I can think about. Marty, uh, I didn't tell you, um, well, I think I told you that day what mm -hmm. Martin calls Pat Sajak. And I kept telling him, I kept telling him to stop saying Sajakula. Yeah, I I was like, please stop saying that, because I, (laughs) what happens when I meet him, and and then I call him Pat Sajakula. Yeah. He likes you. He wishes he had thought of it. He drew a picture of him. <laughs> <laughs> that will be posted on the Reads and Weeds it, it should be, yeah. Pat say Dracula. It's I don't know if I want to say Dracula or ejaculate. <laughs> that's after. why it's fun. That, that we've already discussed. That's why yeah. you love the word. It's say so Dracula. Because it's, so, it's, it's fun to say, too. Sounds And kind of like spatula. A little bit like yes. spatula. Yeah. Spatjaculate. Spatjaculate. <laughs> See, I didn't even mean to be dirty. I was just trying to put all the words together. 
So, um, from twice National Book Award nominated Rachel Kushner, whose The Flamethrowers was called the best, most brazen, most interesting book of the year, comes a spectacularly compelling, heart-stopping novel about a life gone off the rails in contemporary America. <laughs> so, let me see it. Oh, oh, it's perfect. Oh, my gosh. She just showed me a picture that Marty made of Pat Sajakula, and it's in incredible if you've always wanted Pat Jack to be Dracula your dreams have come true and um maybe we'll get tattoos of it I'm not promising anything I'm not I'm not saying no I'm not not doing that (laughs) so um what this book is about is and I'll get you guys so we'll do one sweep through of just like this was my general take and then we'll pick out specific things to talk about. See, we moved easily into actually talking about yeah, the flawless. book. Whoosh! So, uh, I didn't know anything about this book going in, but um, a friend of mine who saw the Facebook post said, what's this event at the Mars Room? Is it a band? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, hey, guess who's not good at making Facebook events that makes sense? <laughs> Me? No, that's the name of a book. It's not a place in Detroit <laughs> where a band is playing during Movement Festival. It's a book uh, by Rachel Kushner, and it's about a woman who is in women's prison for uh, killing a man as a stalker. And it's like how her story is unfolded, and it's told in a couple different voices, and it dips back into the past. And oh, man. I thought it painted such a picture without it, it like casually painted a brilliant picture. I thought of, of a kind of a life beyond your control that you just sort of accepted face value and you don't realize it's shaping you and leading you down a certain path, you know, Mm -hmm. and how the people in your life are in her life, you know, were, were all kind of in this category of like, they were from a system and and staying in a system and going back into a system and uh and then all the stories of the other prisoners around her were similar and I, I thought it was so well done man so anyway um and there's a lot of great characters in there that we can talk about and the ending really surprised me I guess so yeah so tell me your sweeping take I didn't like it that much. Oh, really? Yeah, I know. Oh. I'm sorry. I shouldn't say I didn't love it. Like I loved um, Calypso yeah. and the numbers. Penny Davis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, first of all, it was confusing to me <clears throat> the way she kept going back and forth between characters. Oh, okay, um, okay, okay. And so I wasn't like a big fan of that. Um, I don't mind books that do stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, but mm-hmm. a lot of the books that I've read that have done that are, you know, like it has the name of the person as the chapter name. Yes. You know what I mean? So Some you, clue. Yeah, so you kind of already know exactly like what you're yes. getting into with that chapter. And this was just like, you know, sometimes it took like a page or two before I was like, oh, okay, now I know where we're at. Yeah, yeah. And that oh, was this is Doc talking. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and that was a little frustrating. Talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then there was a couple of pages that like – they were um, a different font, a different and you wonder what the hell it was. Who the fuck was that? I think it's the not the Unabomber. Who's the guy that lives in the woods? That's not Walden. Ted oh. Kaczynski. I think it's Ted Kaczynski's yeah. journal, isn't it? But I, don't know. I but I meant to look that up. Can you look up? 
Wait a minute. No, Amanda, you give me your take, and I'm going to look this up because okay. I know how to search it. Okay. So um, I, I, like Angie, had a little bit of a tough time with the switching back and forth, but I thought the book was relatable for me in a lot of different ways, um, not because I've ever killed somebody, but lots of other ways. But it kind of weird if you just decided to <laughs> say that on the show. <laughs> Attention. I killed someone. Um, no, I, I, I enjoyed a lot of her like inner dialogue mm -hmm. that she had. I think because I'm somebody who lives inside my own mind a lot. There's a lot I don't share with people mm -hmm. that I'm just like, yeah, I'm just gonna, yeah, I'm just gonna sit with this. Um, the other thing I was gonna say is reading the book kind of reminded me of Orange Is the New Black. Yeah, yeah, because it, yeah, yeah. You're hearing all these stories, mm -hmm. but then it's sort of like it comes back to how they're all together, like all these threads that lead you yeah. back to. Yeah. I think that was kind of what I didn't like about it, too, is that it felt like I've already heard these stories before. And I know that's a shitty reason not to like a, a book because, right. you know, it's just kind of a shitty reason. Like, you know, there's only so many ideas it's in like, the world. I've already heard a cowboy story before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, Louis like, L'Amour. Thanks. I, mean, <laughs> I kind of. I guilty like as i was reading i kind of felt guilty because i was like this is this is so orange is the new black this is so you know like this is so i don't know i just watched jailbirds on netflix and there was you know different things that um she talked about in this story that you know they kind of talked about they touched on in, in jailbirds um so it just felt it felt familiar to me but not necessarily in a good way like i've already heard this story a couple of times mm -hmm. but i mean she wrote it well it was well written um, I thought that, you know, she was very descriptive. Um, so, you, you know, you were kind of able to see the different people that she was interacting with. And, um, you know, you, you had a pretty good sense of, like, who they were and where they came from. And, you know, it sounds like most, you know, her and most of everybody that were, you know, that was in jail with her, they were all kind of from, like, a, you know, skid row type of place. So, mm -hmm. um, but, you know, you were, you were able to see all of that and you could kind of feel it and you could feel a lot of the emotion and stuff. But, um, yeah, I just wasn't. I don't know. I just wasn't in as into it as I was, you know, the other the last couple of books. So. Yeah, yeah. Have either of you ever been to San Francisco? Yeah, mm -hmm. I like not. that. Kind yeah, of yeah, area. yeah. I I like the descriptions of the outside, like when they were on the bus and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how they described what they could see out their window or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was so, like, if you ever been there, you're like, yeah, that's exactly what it looks like. That's exactly like. it. Yeah, and so I think that's what I love. That's what I loved was the pictures that she painted using mm -hmm. relatively easy language. Like mm -hmm. I felt like I, and she just eases into them. She, it's like this, I was looking something up and this review just came up from Vulture. And one of the things he says, the politics of the Mars room are pessimistic and Kushner's vision of American carceral archipelago and the justice system in general is relentlessly and convincingly grim and it's like okay yeah but she doesn't seem angry i feel like she's just describing things mm -hmm. like she's, she's reporting just, the weather she's just reporting the weather like like i made an observation yeah Here's, I, so pessimistic yeah but it's realistic yeah and i wouldn't even say I would say may, maybe you can look at the book and go, oh, okay, well, this is pessimistic. But I think it's more just like this is the story. Right. This yeah. is the story. The story is 
this guy was stalking me and even when he even at the end when the Kurt Kennedy character is like telling his own story that story is like he doesn't know he's a stalker Mm -hmm. he's just saying well I couldn't find her so I had to go here and there and then I had to wait outside of her car and then I had to do this and that like it's just it's not super vicious he's just kind of reporting the fact that he really 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 needs to find her so he needs to call her 45 times a day and yeah and she's well, just, you know, and you don't even put it all together that that's the person that she killed. And then finally you're like, wait a minute. This is how she ended up mm-hmm. there? And she just didn't have anybody to defend her in the right way? And Right. You well, know. and like when you, when you think about um, the way that she grew up and the things that she saw, like with her mom, um, you know, like that was just the life that she lived anyway. So yeah. it's like to for her to have any sort of emotion about what she's done and what she's been through literally the only thing she cared about the entire story was her son Jackson like she didn't ever talk about her feelings towards anybody else really like even the Jimmy Darling Mm -hmm. character she wasn't like in love with him like she didn't have those sort of emotions right right because of and probably because of the way that she was brought up you didn't have time to have emotions because Mm -hmm. your mom was whoring around your mom was on drugs she was on drugs at what like yeah 10 11 12 years old yeah so young. so she was void of all of those emotions to mm-hmm. begin with. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, yeah. The word that came to my mind in thinking about her was apathy. Mm-hmm. Like, she just is so indifferent um, about everything except her son. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the protagonist is Romy Hall, and we meet her on a bus that's transferring her from, like, a county facility to a state facility yeah and because she has two life sentences and the first scene that she paints on the bus introduces some characters that kind of stay through the whole thing and introduce this whole structure of like prison life like don't communicate with me all of them kind of fucking with each other the one woman just dies on the bus oh my god there's yeah. few few people in cages. One woman is having a baby, mm-hmm. but they're not going to, like, acknowledge that she's having a baby, and she's only yeah. 15 or 16 years old, and she's going to prison. And she just kind of paints the picture, like, I don't want you to talk to me, but these are the things that are happening, and here's what I see outside my window. And this is how we meet Romy Hall, who I think is 29 when we meet her. Something like that, yeah. 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 What were we going to say, Amanda? <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. So about the girl who was pregnant yeah. and reading about all all the hoops she would have to jump through to even like have anyone acknowledge that she's pregnant mm-hmm. and she's eight months pregnant. Like if yeah. you, if you've ever been that pregnant or know yeah. someone, like there's no yeah there's no really you're not I have pregnant. to like get through all this paperwork right. and bureaucracy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. To take a pregnancy test when you're yeah, it was it was pretty maddening. Um, I I know that w- like one character that I loved right off the bat was um, Conan. Yeah, yeah, um, yes. oh, yeah. Just like instantly a favorite, you mm-hmm. know, immediately, and I was just like, oh my god, I I just fell in love with her with him. Yeah, um, yeah. And um, but that Laura Lip, she pissed me off. I wanted to bang her head up against the window in that me bus. Like, Did you cast Laura Lip as any actress? No, I don't think so. I couldn't figure out who to cast her as because sometimes I'm like casting people in my mind, mm-hmm. like who would. And Laura Lip, 
this smile and these teeth oh my god. and these eyes. And I was yeah. like, ooh, what creepy so, bitch is going to play Yeah, she live? was such a bizarre person. Like, yeah. but like Hathaway or something. But, like, you know that person. <laughs> but ugly. But, <laughs> ugly. <laughs> They'll do a cattle call for skanked out Anne Hathaway type. <laughs> and some girl's going to get her big break. <laughs> Oh my gosh. She was so Girl annoying. Line up. <laughs> oh my god. And the way that she kept talking like she knew everything mm-hmm. and it was like is she delusion like is she delusional yeah. or is she like trying to like is this a bragging way of trying mm-hmm. to make friends? You know what I mean? It was yeah. like what's her deal? You yeah. never really knew, but she was I don't know, she was batshit crazy from the from the jump and then um she really pissed me off when um what was that um trans Button. woman's name that was coming from the other prison yes serenity she was, serenity. serenity serenity was coming yeah. over to um to the women's prison and now this laura lip wants to you know start this big this big thing against her and um yeah i, I wanted to stab her with a shank i was so i could not stand that or woman like hold her down and wrap her hair around her yes was so it, she what was talk. it was it serenity am i saying the right thing yeah yeah oh, okay okay all right yeah, she was coming over to the to the women's prison from yeah. the men's. Yeah, and uh, Laura Lip and I mean there was a bunch of other people that were involved in it, but they were trying to keep her out of there. And they were like, you know, well, basically, if she's coming over, then you know, we don't want to we don't want a man in our prison, so we're gonna yeah we're gonna make her life hell. Plus, I was just thinking like it's it, it to some degree, it's just something to do. Yeah, to get riled up mm-hmm. within that because contained because that. There's yeah. nothing to, to occupy do. them. Yeah. So, like, they have all this time to just stew. Let's pick things. sides. Let's make judgments. Let's mm-hmm. start a fight just to, like, break up the time. And you know what's interesting? When I was thinking about this with, um, I thought she in was relation say, you to. You know what's interesting? When I was in prison. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm glad I came tonight. <laughs> I've only ever been in just the teensiest, you know, like, teenager pretrial diversion. Kind of had to be let out because I was too young kind of thing huh. real brief just like you know a couple hours <laughs> <laughs> and my dad didn't want to come pick me up because he thought they were kidding <laughs> I'm like he's not gonna believe you he's gonna think you're one of my friends pranking him and they're like we're just gonna call him I'm like okay <laughs> he just hung right up <laughs> so I had to call him back that's not what I was going to say. That when I was thinking about it as a po- as compared to Orange Is the New Black, um, because I found myself taking characters from Orange Is the New Black and casting them in this. Did you do that? Yeah. And um, but what I see Orange Is the New Black as a as as that couple story, Piper and the girlfriend, because like they're Alex. linked. Yeah. Piper and Alex. Alex. Like I feel like their love story, their like adventure story, and all the characters around them. It's like. It's like a love adventure story that happens to be set in a prison. You know, like it's mm-hmm. it's so tied into their relationship and like what they're willing to do for each other or to each other, whatever. And so it, it felt so different than this because this is just, it's very matter of fact. And so, you know, it's like as we're going along, she's not telling you feel bad for me or I'm good or I'm evil or this person's good or this person's evil. She's just letting you kind of slowly form mm-hmm. the um, the perception, I right. think. So we've got Laura Lip, who we initially just don't like. We have Sammy, who I think is also Fernandez. Sammy. Yes. Sammy yes. is older than her. There was something about Sammy's story that I was like, what was it now? 
Did you mark it? I really I liked didn't, her. That, no, I, I, I stopped taking notes after a while. It's okay. We'll figure it out together. <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure it out yeah, together. I don't remember her story, but I think Sammy was in chapter 11 or 12. Oh, my gosh. I don't remember Maybe. chapters. Um, Sammy, there's, and then I think the girl that was pregnant is Button, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. And she has that bunny. Remember? <laughs> Yeah, that um, she gets a bunny. Yeah, and the the her their one of their bunkmates kills it and eats eats it. it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> I had to stop for a while after that story. Mm. I'm like, oh, dude. Oh, okay. I've heard about all this murder, Sammy's but this is what crime got me. Was that she wet the bed? She told me all <gasps> about it. Yes. I know. I said I don't. You don't give out personal data in prison, but Sammy told me everything. Um. And she was taken taken by CPS. She wet the bed to warm it. She wet the yeah. bed to warm it, got a rash. A neighbor saw her legs, called Child Protective yeah. Services, which is how she ended up in Child Protective Services, which is kind of how she ended up so the thing, in a terrible situation. Yeah, the thing about Sammy was the, the notes from Keith and how that was used um, for other girls to make money. Yeah. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Crazy. Remind me of that part. So Keith, spelled K-E-A-T-H. Yeah. Is, Keith is, that they describe this sort of, um, I think they call them victims. <laughs> Do they call yeah. them victims? Yes. So this Men, is why. Yes. So uh, Sammy would look at other people as a victim, you know, talk about them as they were going to be her next victim, right? Mm-hmm. Really to turn out to be her savior. But what I liked about Sammy's story was um, when she ends up getting with the guy and he's totally not at all. What yeah. he's, he's like, yeah, I've never flown a plane. I've never done the – Yeah, I don't even yeah. have a job. I just collect Social Security. Right. And it reminded me of when um, Romy was on the bus at the beginning and she's talking about all these, like, big gray – smokestacks or all this big gray smoke coming mm-hmm, out everywhere mm-hmm. but then she realizes that it wasn't even smoke and she's talking about how apocalyptic was the word that yes, she used yes. to describe what she was seeing but it wasn't even smoke it was eucalyptus trees right right and everything in this book to me had the theme of like things aren't always what they seem oh yeah. interesting yeah even Ooh, to yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So things aren't always what they seem. And that that's really, like, the big thing that I took away from the book, too. Oh. Even, like, her working in the Mars room and people make judgments about sex workers and, mm-hmm. you know, or the people who, the people, the customers, too. Like, you don't know what somebody's yes. story is. Mm-hmm. So you're making all these judgments about mm-hmm. them. But, mm-hmm. but I don't know. There was something about Sammy... And just the disappointment around it. Oh, <laughs> that just no. Yeah, stuck yeah out no, it me. was really sad because, like, I, yeah, I wanted her to get out and, like, have a good situation. Because mm-hmm. I didn't think she was really, like, a horrible person. Yeah, well. None we, of them are. We don't really but, find know. out what she did did, though, right? Like, we found out, like, did we, did they talk about what she actually did, what her actual crime was? Well, it couldn't have been murder because she was she got out. Yeah, you know, 
I saw NASCAR and I knew it was. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the the thing that she's talking about with they are trying to get men to write them in prison to sort of fall in love with them because they can get more like snacks and concierge yeah, and visitors so, and things like so that. So that's like a big thing. So mm-hmm. um, it, interestingly enough, um, prisoners can now use the internet. And mm-hmm. like I imagine there's some sort of restrictions. I don't n- think I know anybody in prison anymore. Um, that was a different life. But uh, yeah, they have like these pen pal, you know, websites and dating sites and whatever. And so they find people. And of course, being a pen pal for somebody in prison has been going on for, a, you know, years forever um but yeah i mean you you hook you a man and they'll mm-hmm. send you money and then you've got some place to go mm-hmm. when you if you get released because you can't be released unless you have a place to go mm-hmm. and so yeah that yeah kind of guarantees you a spot yeah and just it's to really paint a picture up. of this <laughs> setting so this is all happening uh in the stanville in, in the women's prison in stanville and also kind of in Romy's memories of San Francisco and L.A. as a teenager and working in the Mars Room. The Mars Room is a strip club that she describes as kind of like, this is just the seediest, worst one. You know, like, she doesn't want to work in a place where later, like, when she goes to L.A., I think she goes to a place, she's like, they're there for the Chinese buffet. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not there for the company. But she works at this place where, I just thought of this when you said things aren't as they seem, but as she is talking about... um, I think it's Rodney. What a strange character Rodney was. Do you know who I'm talking about? And she's making this comparison between all the weirdness of Robbie, Rodney and the girls that worked at the Mars Room. Um, you know, the obsessive idea of clean, and it's a way to have control. And she thinks it's so funny that most of the girls she knows do tricks and maintain a crack addiction, living in tents and shitting in buckets. But in here, where they call the shots... They make the other women shower three times a day and bleach the bathroom after they brush their teeth. We run the room like it's the army with rules and inspections and yelling and abuse, and I'm the one dishing it. I'll come down on you hard if there's a single drop of water in the sink basin, right? So this whole life in shambles. Mm -hmm. And then she's like, clean up the sink basin because it's like where she can exert control. And so Mm -hmm. she's over time paints this picture of the Mars room and her – way that she just kind of eases into seeing um, men as walking wallets. I think that's the only place she felt like she had any power was oh, when yeah. she was working in the Mars room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> it yeah. was like the one place she could go and be in charge. Mm-hmm. 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 And she knew, it's interesting too, because there's no point in the book where she says, and that's when I decided to start stripping. You know, it's just kind of like, it's just, it's just like it happened. I mean, for, for a girl like that in a place where she was, Mm -hmm. I think, and I know that this sounds really bad to say it and I don't mean it. I don't know. Um, but I think that that's just sort of the natural progression of things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When you're, you know, when you're, uh, I mean, yeah, things can change. You can break the cycle. But when you're already in that in oh, that yeah. life, you know, it's just kind of the natural. You're going to mm-hmm. either you're going to strip, you're going to sell your, you know, you're going to sell your ass on the corner 
or you're probably a drug runner of some sort. Like, right. <laughs> you know, there's not or much a combination. Else. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's yeah. not much else for a, a girl that's been on drugs since she was 11 with, you know, no, yeah. no, um, parental figures around. Like there's not really very many places for you to go at that point. Yeah. And she, she paints this picture at some point of like when she's little, she's 11 or something. And a man says, uh, I need taxi money. And she says, you you probably wouldn't have gone up there. Mm-hmm. But I'm following up there stupid and hopeful. Because, you know, and you, she paints this picture of like, I, you could be judging me right now in within this story. She sort of directs it to you. And I don't know if she does that throughout the book. But she, do, do you remember that mm-hmm. little part where yeah. she's like, mm-hmm. you probably wouldn't have done this. But I just did it. Mm-hmm. Like, because like, why wouldn't you? Yeah. I needed taxi money. Yeah. He said he had some. Like, whatever. Right. When you're 11, you, though, like, I think most kids... He's a grown-up. Just blindly follow. hmm Yeah. Like, they don't question it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She she is slowly but surely kind of describing, describing all these people in her life. Um, oh, man. And it's... Uh, it's kind of... One of the things she, I think she describes about Jimmy Darling puts him in contrast to everybody else because she says something like, Oh, I hope I can find it. It's something about, um, he was one of those regular people with a job and a life purpose. And he didn't understand how somebody would care about organic juice if they were also a meth addict. Like he he thought that was interesting, but she was just like, why is it so interesting? You know, but she puts him in a light of like, he has a job mm-hmm. and like a regular sort of set of circumstances. And it kind of sets him in stark contrast to pretty much every other single right. person right. that there is. Yeah. Like he's never the one besides kind of, you know, he's not ever brutally horrible to her, but he's also mm-hmm. doesn't rescue her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Either. I question whether or not Jimmy Darling ever really even saw her as a human. Okay. Yeah. Like recognized her as an emotional person or this thing for him to use. Mm -hmm. And I had some notes about Jimmy. I had (laughs) feelings about him. That's where she stopped with her notes. (laughs) I kind of did. Let him rip. Okay. So one of the things, one of the things about Jimmy Darling was when he said they were talking about diamonds and he just didn't understand. And it's kind of like, kind of the same thing he was saying about people who are drug users but they care about organic juice Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and he's like you know why are diamonds so special they last forever but so does every other mineral on Mm -hmm. the face of the earth like who cares why Mm -hmm. are they special and just he he the way she describes him he always had this way of just like boiling everything down to its lowest i don't know the word i'm thinking of lowest concentrate right like reducing it Mm -hmm. minimizing everything including her Mm -hmm. like just marginalizing her oh interesting and one of the things she says about him too is that he would give her useless eccentric gifts and that stuck with me i think that was a different dude was it a different guy that was a different weird young dude that she was with (gasps) yes the weird freaky dude yeah the janitor guy ajax 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 yes 
Okay. I don't right? know why I thought it was Jimmy. Yes, it was Ajax. <coughs> I was He's like, oh, he brought there. me a, a broken uh, vacuum cleaner. Yeah. Or... And and he was he was weird, right? Uh huh. They were all weird, but like Ajax. When she said that, though, it made me it made me think of a lot of people I've dated. <laughs> <laughs> and they give you a gift, and you're like, what "Fuck is this? I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand what you're trying. What is what, what is were this you signal? thinking? <laughs> what is this signal that you're sending me? Just turned into the Sahara Desert over here, okay?" <laughs> Oh my gosh! There's a lot of really interesting characters in here. There's a um, there's an interesting description of Death Row. So so there's a character that is Gordon Hauser, who his story weaves in and out because he's kind of living up in the mountains in the woods, and his friends. So so what the the character of Gordon Hauser is there for? I think is. Um, to kind of show an outside view of the prison because he used to be in an academic setting and all of his friends are academics and he kind of just chose to work at the prison and teach at the prison. And so he's there observing them all and almost anything he does. Like when I'm picturing Gordon Hauser, I'm like, oh my gosh, I've only done a little bit of prison work ever, you know, like a friend of mine runs this long-standing improv group and we went and saw their show and you know some other friends I know have taught improv in prisons and so just the tiniest glimpses in I think I had another friend a housemate that did like a bible study long-standing in prison but I don't know much and um his view of it is like I get this picture like if you have a heart at all if you're a good person at all then you probably start wanting to help Mm-hmm. certain people and that's not your job you're not supposed to contact their lawyer or their child or give mm-hmm. them yarn he brings people yarn he brings people y- you know like you're not supposed to do those things he could get in trouble but it's such a catch-22 because he if you don't care what a soul-sucking thing if you do care you get fired it's like they're training people mm-hmm. to see other people as inhuman and and then how else could you do it how else could you even do the job if you cared too much it would be too torturous yeah working in a prison is a really it's not a good thing it's like really like a lot of people a lot of um corrections officers um kill themselves um a lot of them are in serious therapy um i dated a guy that was a corrections officer in ionia really and um it, it like it's it's bad and then if they're short staffed you know there's there were times when he was working like back-to-back 12-hour shifts and you know sometimes 16-hour shifts because mm-hmm. there wasn't anybody else to to be there um you know he was involved in prison riots like it's not a good place to work um and then one of my best friends when she um became an rn she worked at um she worked in jackson um yeah, it was Jackson Prison. Oh, interesting. As a um, as an intake nurse, and she, I mean, I don't know how long was she she was there for. I would say probably a year, maybe a little bit longer. Um, but I think right about a year, and she just couldn't do it anymore. And I mean, if you knew her, um, she's a very crass individual. She's got mm-hmm. a big heart, but 
like, you know, she's not somebody that people generally fuck with. And she's pretty, mm-hmm. you know, stone cold when she needs to be. And she couldn't hack it in prison because it's a fucking horrible place to work. So, wow. yeah. I know yeah. somebody who's like one of the longest employed state employees spent literally their entire career like out of college really working in a prison up until retirement and he had at one point been stabbed and Mm -hmm. like locked in a boiler room wow and they do it because they get paid good money Mm -hmm. and they have you know benefits and Mm -hmm. you know there's a lot of perks to the job i guess you Uh. could say if that's what you're after is you know money and and health benefits and you don't want any sort of quality of life but yeah um but yeah it's not a place that you you don't want to work there you yeah and i've, <laughs> I've visited people and I've, yeah. I've had people that you know um that i knew that were in prison and i've visited prisoner you know d- different prisoners um and even being in there as a as a visitor is a fucking horrible experience it's mm-hmm. just terrible so to yeah. to think that there's you know these women I mean some of them you know they deserve to be where they're at but um, and prison reform is a whole nother yeah fucking can't even start podcast can't even start. but yeah. Um, but yeah it's just it's a horrible place to be it doesn't matter if you work there if you're there for life if you're stopping in for a you know an eight hour visit it's a terrible fucking place to be it's awful so yeah 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 may i make a comment yeah what's up todd when i was i think seven or todd eight. everybody <laughs> hey, todd. hi todd when i was seven or eight years old i was with family and we kind of went through a gate at jackson prison and found us in the middle of the uh courtyard we were going to the gift shop oh jeez. and we found ourselves right smack in the courtyard yeah. driving <laughs> there, are gift co- there are gift shops in prison yeah there's gift yeah they like you s- can buy souvenirs you, you buy what they make. Yeah, there's a lot of weird things about prison. Like there's um when you go in for visits, you can there's vending machines, but they're very strict on like how the vending machines are used. FYI, I've never been to a prison. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bizarre place. Yeah, it's field trip. Yeah. You've got to be like um well, you get, you know, patted down and they check yeah. all your pockets and oh, you can't yeah. take anything in there except for like some money. Um, but yeah, I mean, they have like vending machines in the visiting room, so you can, you can use, you know, a lot of times you have to have like exact change. Like they won't let you bring anything extra in. Yeah. It's making me think of when she's describing all, like the list of things list you of can't. Rules. Yeah. And, and it's so stupid. It's true. It on and on. No, it does. Yes. yes. I, when I, when I went to visit somebody in prison, um, before, um, cause you have to go through this process to get on a list and yeah. all this yeah. other stuff. Way in um, advance. And yeah. he he would write me and, and remind me of what I could and could not wear. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? And I was going to visit him in the middle of summer. And I'm like, I have to be, f- like, fully clothed all the way or they won't even let me in. Like, they don't even let you through mm-hmm. the door. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, you can use a vending machine. Um, at some point during visitation hours, they'll bring somebody in with a camera and they'll take prison photos with you and your your prison boo, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, you can, you can always, I can always tell a prison photo when I look at it. I'm like, oh yeah, that's a, that's a drop backdrop from a prison cell. But, um, yeah, there's just all these really, you can't, um, you can't hold hands. You can't kiss. You can't hug for too long. Um, there's not even if my love language is touch. No, you probably shouldn't even try to explain that. Especially then. Yeah. 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 Especially then. 
Seems but you know, you're, you're not allowed to say certain things. You're not mm-hmm. allowed to speak at a certain volume. I mean, it's just it's fucking crazy. Do they have someone there to measure? The oh yeah, volume yeah. To make sure you don't go over no, decibels. <laughs> I don't think they've got like a monitor, but there's definitely, there's guards that are just kind of hanging out and Hmm. they get paid to sit there and watch everybody. And yeah. 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 So what we discover over the course of the book is that, um, Romy has a son who is five when she goes in, he's seven now and in his mother's care. And she has sort of, all of her rights have been relinquished and she can't, seem to contact him anymore and then her well, mother dies yeah her, mo- her, her mother mom dies. died and then she couldn't get in touch with them and then she mm-hmm. can't get in touch yeah. with them um and she's so super focused on thinking about him and trying to find him but trying to be patient and just living this life and um what we find out is that she had been trying to make this life for her son and there were you know, men who came into the Mars room that would sort of become regulars. And some of them were regulars like Jimmy Darling, who she ended up sort of dating for a long, like her and her son hung around with Jimmy Darling. They visited him in LA. He was an art teacher. I mean, relatively kind of like generically normal guy. And she, and she never expressed this like love or desire for him. He was just kind of like a safe person that wasn't hurting her kind of person that she could spend time with and they actually did a lot of wonderful things together however there's also Kirk Kennedy who is this man who I think knows her as Vanessa mm-hmm. and we Which find we out don't find that we don't find out till the end of the later. book yeah. Yeah. we start we start we just hear her kind of referring to that's when Kirk Kennedy we find out over time that Kirk Kennedy was a man who wanted kind of the girlfriend experience and sort of became obsessed with her used to give her constant money no matter what and he was disabled and bored but still had a motorcycle and still traveled all the time. And he became a stalker, pretty much. He kept showing up, asking about her, calling her tons of times a day. She'd turn her phone off. She moved. And a doorman at the club, thinking he was funny, I guess. um, Yeah, I was a little confused about that because I thought... Yeah, I'll give out her number. I'll tell you where she is. Yeah, well, and the thing is, is, like, throughout the story, like you said, you know, things weren't always as they seemed. Like, throughout the story, you're kind Mm -hmm. of like, like, for me anyways, I was, like, teetering. Like, did she do it because she just fucking felt like killing this guy? Or did she Mm -hmm. do it because, like, she had a legitimate reason? And I couldn't, you know, I kind of kept going back and forth. Right. And then then the the doorman at the... um, at the at the club gives up her information and says you know she wants you to come and see her and then I was like wait a minute so did she set this guy up you know because then when we when we jump forward another couple of chapters or whatever then it's like now she comes home and this this creeper is sitting on her on her porch Mm -hmm. and um you know I got the impression she didn't even know that this guy was stalking her at this point like she had no idea that this guy was even like like she knew that he was obsessed oh, with her because he kept coming did. in. I wasn't. I wasn't convinced I think she, at that point. I think she realized it in hindsight. Right, but I. Uh, but I didn't realize that she oh. had realized oh. it. So at this point, I'm going. Oh. Wait a minute. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Because you, you kind of like, it didn't really. She didn't really say a whole lot. 
indicating that she knew the guy outside, right? Like mm. she's she's talking about how he's always coming into the club, he's always giving her money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then we finally get his side of the story and we realize that yeah, he's just a fucking creep and yeah, she yeah, didn't yeah. really know that he was stalking her until it started getting towards the end. Right, right. But I was so confused. I was like, did this dude like was he trying to be funny? Like was he just being an asshole or right. was did she set him up and give the doorman her information and say, tell this fucking guy to show up at my place, knowing that he would. And then when she got home and saw him, did she kill him and she set him up because that's when she realized that he was like, she had realized shortly before that he was stalking her or did she legitimately come home, saw this guy on her porch and was flipped out because she recognized him from the club. And then she whacked him in the back of the head. Oh, I think early on, I got the impression that he was a stalker. Like, somehow early on in the book, maybe it was how she described him and alluded to him. Mm-hmm. And, like, that was before I met Kirk Kennedy. And kind of, like, I I got the feeling that he was stalking her early in the yeah, book I somehow. Uh, yeah, I didn't get that. And I, then, yeah. I got that impression, too, but that she didn't realize it. Oh. It, it was her talking about all of the stuff with, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know that hindsight yeah yeah but remember in the mars room is the place where she feels powerful yeah and so i think seeing him sitting there on the porch Mm -hmm. that she like went to that place right Mm. and she did it from behind like hit him in the back of the head it wasn't like he was attacking her Mm -hmm. you know she part of me thinks she just did it to like feel something Oh, wow. See, I just think she was just, that's her baseline of, I got to take care of myself and there's a strange man on my porch who has called me 400 times and has followed me to a different location and it's dark and now he's on my porch and I'm scared. But also she has no coping skills. Right. Like what has she learned about any male ever? Like she hasn't yeah. learned anything like, oh, maybe I could reason with him or perhaps I should call for help. Like she has no reference point at all, which is that's what's interesting about all these stories is kind of like just the reality from the get go. And every once in a while, usually she's just talking about and this is what happened to Button. We bo- they boiled a rabbit. They ate it. She cried in bed with this tiny T-shirt that she had made for the rabbit. Mm-hmm. And she ended up getting a new rabbit and putting the shirt on it. And you're just like, oh, my gosh, this is the most heartbreaking thing I've ever heard of my entire life. Um, and then the lady knitting on death row and Gordon's getting mm-hmm. her yarn and she's knitting and no one cares about what she's knitting. And it's just all these heartbreaking stories. But she har- hardly ever makes commentary on it. And when she does, it's real quick. It's like, but this is just what we were used to. Mm-hmm. Or that's not what we saw then. Right. It's just kind of like, eh. You know, yeah. that's what men were walking wallets or women, like this is the thing that she was saying. So at the Mars room, I didn't have to show up on time or smile or obey any rules or think of most men as anything other than losers to be exploited. But who believed they were exploiting us? And so it was naturally quite hostile as an environment, even as it was coded in pretend submission, our own. The Mars room was a place where you could do what you wanted. At least I had believed that. When I was dating Jackson's dad, I broke a bottle over his head, and he punched me back in the face, and I showed up five hours late to work with a black eye and wearing sunglasses, and no one said anything. You know, so her, like, this is how the Mm -hmm. world works, Mm -hmm. like, gave her no way 
to say, here's the proper thing to do yeah. when a strange stalker is on your porch yeah. late at night. You know, like well, there's no other thing to do. Well, her, and you know, the fact that she she got a black eye from the from the father of her, right. her son. Um, I imagine, I mean, speculation, but her mother was probably treated like a rag doll by the, you know, many different men that were in and out the house when she was growing up. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't, you know, yeah, she doesn't have the coping skills because she she didn't have to have those coping mm-hmm. skills, right? They're like more like just, survivor, yeah, so survival yeah. skills right. than anything. And sure, her, because of her interactions with men, you know, even the one guy who was kind of taking care of her, she, I think she ha- didn't even have the ability to have an emotional connection. Mm-hmm. Right. Because she didn't want to live so, there. She stayed away. Yeah, yeah. She's so in survival mode. Mm-hmm. I don't think she really even knows how to connect. Right. She's mm-hmm. all fight or flight. Mm-hmm. That's, that's it's all what she am is. I going to get yeah. from this person, from this relation, whatever the relationship is, mm-hmm. to keep moving forward with my life. With the transaction. It's very transactional, Mm -hmm. yes. Yep, but she didn't lie to herself about the Mars room and what went on there. No. That's exactly... When she talks about... um, I can't remember who she's talking about. Coming in on Thanksgiving and like... You know, addicts don't take a break for the holiday. And yeah, neither, yeah, Neither yeah. do these men. And that, yep, I think yep, yep, that yep. was actually when she was talking about how she met Kurt Kennedy. Oh, was that it? I don't know. And he comes in on Thanksgiving Day and just keeps shelling out the 20s and talk, talking about spanking her. And Yeah, yeah. yeah. See, he was a creep from the get-go. Yeah. Um, so, hey, Todd, I think we're going to take a five-minute break. So can you pull up the rubber room? The rubber room is also referenced in uh in this scene in this book so um pull that up we'll and then if that song runs out play that other one with the uh about the white first mrs jones we'll take a little break and we'll come back and we'll talk a little bit about a little a little tiny bit of cannabis news a little bit more about a couple more characters and then we'll wrap up so you got it it was the two I gave you that weren't, yeah. Got it? All right, is it coming in? All right, we'll be back in about five minutes. Down the road here for me, there's a big holly tree where they lay down a dollar or two. Where they drive round the bend and they come back and then Lord a jug full of good old Mountain Dew Go to call it that old Mountain Dew And those that refuse it are a few I'll hush up my mug if you fill up the jug with good old Mountain Dew In a building tall With a stone wall around There's a rubber room When a man sees things And hears sounds It's not there He's headed for The rubber room Illusions in a twisted mind To save from self 
destruction. It's the rubber room where a man can run into the wall till his strength makes him fall and lie still and wait for help in the rubber room. From his blurry vision of doom, a in the The man in the room right next to mine screams a woman's name, hits the wall in vain. He's in the room. I hear footsteps pounding on the floor. God, I hope they don't stop at my door. Mm, I'm in the Now they've come to get me, but they find I'm a screaming pretty words, trying to make them rhyme. I'm in the rubber rubber I'm in the rubber said you're going to come back or either they're going to be calling you the late Mrs. Jones. I put a pistol in my jacket, stumbled out and hailed a taxi. I told the taxi driver to take me to her home. I remember walking proudly. Everybody said I yelled out loudly, come on out or I'm going to come in Mrs. Jones. The next thing I recall was walking through the forest, looking for a place to hide her bones. I dug and dug for hours, and then I planted flowers 
right on top of the first Mrs. Jones. Did my little story scare you? Oh, yes, I can see because I'm so near you. Little beads of perspiration dot your clothes. Aren't you sorry now that you left me? Really now, don't you want to come go with me? After all, you are the second, Mrs. Jones. You're listening to CRBRadio.com. The words and opinions you are about to hear are of the hosts and do not reflect the management, sponsors, or affiliates of Cave Radio Broadcasting. personally have any ink, but every other person in this room has so much badass <laughs> ink that we did like a teeny show and tell photo session out there and it was really great. And Todd, who we always refer to, he has a he has a show um where he talks to tattoo artists and what's the name of the show? It's called the Tattoo Music Lounge. The Tattoo Music Lounge. And so um and they're literally He's running out of things to tattoo, so we came up also in our break with a business idea wherein you can buy an extra limb <laughs> and affix it to your body, yeah. thereby giving you more tattoo. Or you could just breed other people to tattoo. I don't even know where to go with that. <laughs> That's awesome. I was thinking more like human centipede kind of thing. No, I'm out of both of these ventures. <laughs> I'm sorry, you guys. I'm not... I'm not, I, I can't, I'm not, 
Nope. Okay. Well, then, you know, not every idea is a great one. Mm. I think we've established that. But um, what I want to... Okay, don't show those pictures. Don't bring up everything that we talk about because it's going to be freaky. Oh, actually, that's pretty cool. No, that looks scary. Well, the South Park episode is way better than the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. It's the sent iPad. Oh. They all all sign the Apple agreement and it goes... Oh, I want to see that. I want to see that. Okay. So I thought uh, we could take the rest of the time. Whoa, shoot. I didn't even talk about cannabis news. So um, the girl, Lisa, that was on here with us last time. I wasn't here last time. Oh, shoot. Oh, my gosh. So Lisa Conine was on here last time, and she was just in um, D.C. for Lobby Days. And they were basically still talking with everyone about uh, re- or, you know, fixing the tax and banking laws for the cannabis industry. Um, And they felt like they made progress. Um, What else? Marijuana legalization bill could get a vote today. This is, oh, my gosh, this is from Chicago Business Today. I know some some news. Oh, tell me, tell me. It's not good news. Oh, okay, what? Um, Lansing Township is, um, they're not allowing any uh, dispensaries to be opened up in Lansing Township. Oh. Yeah, so even though it's it's legal, there's still places that are like, no, no, we're not going to do it. Well, there, there are still pockets, and I think the reality is, is in any industry that's burgeoning, a little area has to decide how many, I mean, probably like how many strip malls do we want to have? How many of this? And even if it's tax revenue and even if it's all that, they've, they're making a call. Mm-hmm. And I feel like of all the things to make a call on, like a business that A, is in demand, B, will bring your township a lot of money, C, is probably a good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, that seems dumb. Yeah. You know, how many, you know, how many uh, quick cash places do you have? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, in Lansing. Well, I mean, anywhere. Yeah, one on every corner for sure. Yeah, how many really shitty little stores that sell like terrible little plastic things do you have? That's an old article, but there's um, yeah, should be a newer one. Yeah, no, I've got some. I've got one that's um, uh, there was one about Ohio. Where was it? Oh no, Arkansas. Arkansas's newest numbers. Where did I write this down? (laughs) <laughs> Arkansas medical sales top $353,000 with just two dispensaries. And so they were one of those strongholds that now is seeing the revenue. So um, it's weird. It's one of those things. So in thinking about cannabis news while reading this, one of the things I was thinking about is uh, everybody's going towards decriminalization. So one of the women that I met at the Women of Cannabis Conference was uh, Cindy Sovine, and she headed up the kind of legislation that passed in Colorado recently that decriminalized psilocybin. Mm -hmm. So, and one of the things that she, her lightning bolt (laughs) discovery was like, oh, you have to start with decriminalization. So to make cannabis legal and then still have a whole bunch of people Mm -hmm. in jail for it, it just dawned on her like, oh, we did it in the wrong order. Mm -hmm. Because now there's all these people legally doing it and people are still in jail for it. So we, we did... Like decriminalization mm-hmm. isn't attached, right? <laughs> as strange as it may yeah. seem. I also met a woman named Bo Money. She's super cool. She used to be in the entertainment industry for a long time. She made films and and she started attaching like large, uh, famous people to cannabis brands, right? Mm-hmm. Like she'd take an NBA star or whatever and like attach them to a cannabis brand. That's one of the things she was doing. What she started doing in LA recently was 
she holds expungement clinics. So because if you suddenly pass something that's like, okay, sweeping decriminalization, then there has to quickly put a process in place mm-hmm. so that you can let all these people out of jail, mm-hmm. right? Which means there have to be all these rules written for that, which then those people have to learn on their own and figure out well, what to do. And so she holds these clinics in LA where people can come and get it all done. Wow. And mm-hmm. just get it all done. And I think that's like the most brilliant helpful thing mm-hmm. like I would love to just see that in every single state that's even considering just somebody on the yeah. ground just like okay this is about criminal justice mm-hmm. let's get that mm-hmm. working you yeah. know let's get that going so she that's Bo Money Cindy Sovine helped decriminalize psilocybin which is really exciting for some of the people around here because anyway my point of all of learning about all this was when I'm thinking about these women in prison and I'm thinking like Somebody would have gotten away with that. Somebody would have not gone to two life sentences for killing Kurt Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Right? If they had a better lawyer, if he was proved to be a stalker, if um, she was shown to have like this certain kind of upbringing, mm-hmm. if her child had been, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Somebody couldn't have, could have gotten mm-hmm. off, you know? And so what was overwhelming me about this book was kind of like how arbitrary and well, how arbitrary and like, callous the criminal justice system mm-hmm. seems like well it totally is yeah well and in talking about this book and people being in prison and what they're in prison for and mm-hmm. a, you know the varying degrees of severity mm-hmm. of whatever the crime is um you know just because it's decriminalized um or just because it's made legal mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. what however you want to mean that um doesn't mean there aren't still people going to jail for it because yeah. and it, and it's it's skewed right as far as race goes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the amount of money that it takes to open a dispensary mm-hmm. a lot of people don't have access to those kinds of startup funds. oh right of course of course you know, you're yeah. talking about what a half a million dollars oh just yeah to open a dispensary so then, you know, there are people it's still so much selling it illegally, and chances are it's it's going to be somebody who's not white. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. The other thing this woman is doing is sh- they're trying to, if someone is a former felon, you know, they get expunged. They're now trying to make it to where that program feeds into, like, do you want to work in the industry legally? And, you know, people are in varying degrees of, like, hell no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't ever want to be around that shit again. Yeah. Or, like, that's the greatest thing that's ever happened. You well, know, but there's yeah. there's every degree in between there where people are like, I don't know. That, that business kind of kicked my ass the last 10 years. You know? Yeah. Ah. But and if that's now, all you know. But if that's all you know. Yeah. But the way it's set up now is, <laughs> like, you can't – you can be the greatest weed grower ever, and there's no way you're getting a license – to have a commercial dispensary because you have a felony mm-hmm. for being really good at growing. Yeah. It's just insane, you know? Yeah. And so, anyway, when I was thinking about kind of like the frustrating reality that some people just can't catch a fucking break, you know? Yes. And, and in yes. looking at this, it's like, oh, and then this happened and then that happened. And that's it. That's it. Someone gives you crack at a very young age or they give you heroin at a very young age or you learn to not trust the people who are supposed to love you at a very young age and it just like keeps going Mm -hmm. and it's like oh man it's so arbitrary and 
some people and they would describe things and I'd be like somebody would get away with that just not that but, person mm-hmm. and you the know? thing the, the way it works too is each you know tick you have tick mark you have for shitty things that happen to you mm-hmm. then increases your risk that all these other shitty things mm-hmm. are probably going to happen too yeah and then it just multiplies it multiplies yeah. and multiplies until right and it's normal. That's mm-hmm. the thing. Is that the thing about this book is, like, every once in a while should be like, that guy was a piece of work. <laughs> like, but she was never like, I will never forgive him. But, y- you know, she's mm-hmm. she's not placing a lot of blame anywhere. She gets kind of frustrated with people. Like, eh. But she's not ranting about it. But it's mostly apathy. Yeah, it's apathy. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. It's norm. It's just mm-hmm. like, eh. It's like, well... I think I'm going to Swiffer and uh, <laughs> I'm going to let the dog out. You know, her li- her normal life is, you know, clearly nobody's reading this book and going, oh, she has a wonderful life. Mm-hmm. She you has know? to use so many resources to just yeah. maintain every day. Yeah. On, uh, literally on an hour by hour basis. Yeah. She has no energy to right. be that's, emotional. Oh, my gosh. That's so true. No it's spoons. so true. No spoons left. No spoons. Have you not heard that before? Mm-mm. I don't have the spoons. I don't have the emotional energy to give you. How is that spoons, though? So when you have Are guests. Are you sure you mean spoons? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when you have guests over. Uh-huh. And I don't know if I don't know if you guys are like bougie like me, and you're like, let's have coffee after dinner. Oh, for sure. Like pinkies up and stuff. Yeah, yeah requirement pinkies up. <laughs> and you have dessert, right? Yeah, sure. But maybe a flambe. Inevitably, don't have enough spoons because you have to use spoons for more. It's making me really hungry. <laughs> You've used all of the spoons, yeah. and yeah. people are going without spoons, and you have to just say, I. I have no more spoons left. I don't have the spoons today. Oh, Interesting. I love that. It's the space you're holding, emotional yes. space you're holding for others. Yes. Right? But you have to leave some for yourself. Yeah, because I need a fucking spoon. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll eat dessert with my hands. And, I don't and care. also, it's a game. There's a game called Spoons. It's like a race to pick the there's spoon. A song, Spoon Man. Right, spoon and there's also man. just playing the spoon. Yeah, yeah, he plays on the spoon. Yeah, <laughs> I like it though. I do. No, thanks I for love following it. me down that rabbit hole. No, no, no. <laughs> I was so into it. I was riveted because I'm just like, oh, it's a great analogy for. I'm, I'm. I I've spoons. expended out of. I've, yeah. you know, I have no more energy for you. And when people are able to say that, like, no, I really please. appreciate that when people are able to say. You know, I just checked in with myself and <laughs> given to enough people today. <laughs> I don't want to think about this, but having also, we've probably all been in some version of that. I'm managing everything mm-hmm. that I can, mm-hmm. and I can't care like it's emotionally a nice, about anything. It, it's just a nice way of saying I have no fucks left. That's true. That's I have true. no cares left. I'm right. Jars empty, man. Sm- spoons. Mm-hmm. I was going to say Smurfs. Remember how everything used to be Smurfs? <laughs> they would say, what? like, spoons, <laughs> it is a supple- spoons replaces um, fucks, right? Mm-hmm. Have no spoons to give. 
But when the Smurfs were popular, they used Smurf for anything. They were like, we're going to Smurfberry hunting. We're smurfing around. We're going to drive the Smurfmobile. <laughs> they just threw it in whenever they needed it. So I thought, you know, I have no more Smurfs for you. <laughs> what is that? That's creepy. Oh, yes. Stop that. <laughs> Todd's here for us to just put up a creepy image all of a sudden. One right now says, I like rusty spoons, and it's like a green hand. What is that? That's a scary guy. Take that down. Sa- with salad, <laughs> salad fingers. Salad fingers. Oh, my I goodness. About this guy. Is he scary? He seems, is he a scary character? No, it's very funny. Oh, okay. Very <laughs> all right. Seems scary to me. No problem. I'll take your word for it. Okay. (laughs) So we haven't even talked about some very interesting characters. So we just have like six or seven more minutes. So I want to say one of the things that I appreciate about what Rachel Kushner does is, you know, because when I watch a show or read a book, I want to know who to pay attention to the most. But I love really interesting side stories that kind of blend in. And the doc... Um, the lady on death row, Betty, that her legs are insured, yeah. and she Betty t- LaFrance. Yes. Yeah. Did you love that character? I was I dying her. to know more. I loved her. Yes. I I had a feeling that I knew where it was going when they kept asking for the photo mm-hmm. through the toilet. Like I knew where it was mm-hmm. going. Yeah. And I was so pleased when it went there. Yeah. But yeah, what a fucking gem she was yeah oh she's just like God. she's literally like i'm gonna be in charge of my shit and party till the day i fucking die on death row like that's that's she's but running also, the place she's fancy she, <laughs> she is so fancy yeah i want to be her i, like, <laughs> I mean if maybe, i was maybe in, without if the I was in, if i was in prison oh, okay. i would want to be betty the friend yeah <laughs> Yeah, and... And I would just listen to Lana Del Rey all day long. <laughs> I mean, I already do that, but in prison. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so her story unfolds oh, man. Through, up through the pipes, because she's like friends with... Like the literal with, pipes, she's friends like the with Conan. <laughs> she's friends with Conan, therefore she's friends with, with Romy. And they're, you know, they love the stories and they want to hear more oh, of her stories. I thought she was Sammy. Oh, wasn't she friends with Sammy? I don't know. Maybe all of them. If Anyways. someone can find a reference, that would be great. But if not, fine too. <laughs> <laughs> like if you accidentally happen upon one. But so Betty, her story unfolds as kind of she's a fancy <laughs> in charge prisoner. But also there's another prisoner in another place. Doc. I think Richard Rich mm-hmm. is Doc, who is a police officer who... She had someone killed. I think Betty. So Betty. Gosh. She had her husband yeah. killed. She had her, she had her husband, husband killed. killed. She collected the life insurance mm-hmm. and then got with the hit The man. guy. But then she, she was had worried that yeah. he was going to tell. Mm-hmm. So she had him killed. And then she was also going to put a hit out on the other guy. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Who is Doc. I kept thinking, like, how far does this go? (laughs) Like, how many people did she have? That's why I want to be her. It's like, why don't you just kill him yourself? She's ruthless. She was crazy. So she, so she, and then she has Doc killed. Okay, no. Oh, yeah, I didn't know if if she had him killed. I don't remember that. Anyways, I, I would well, just... Well, no, no, no. Oh, he didn't die, but no. he was, like, choked and hit over the head. And, and then with a TBI, up, like... which was the best justice ever, if you ask me. With a what? A TBI, traumatic brain injury. So, oh, yes. so he got beat yeah. down in prison right. and ended up with a traumatic brain injury. And 
um, mm -hmm. what I liked about that too was he was kind of um, um, very, you know, nonchalant about it. He was just mm -hmm. kind of like, well, you know, they fucked my shit up and I yeah. feel like I kind of feel better in a way, but, you know, still kind of lost or whatever it was mm -hmm. that he said, but it was just like, you know, I took care of, I've taken care of a lot of people that had traumatic brain injuries and it's a terrible thing to have happen to somebody. And, um, it was just really sweet justice to, to find out that that's kind wow. of for me because he was a big piece of shit. Like he the was. way he talked about the other women and what he did and things that he was responsible for. Yeah. He was a horrible person. Yeah. And so when, when he got the shit kicked out of him, I was like, Oh, now we're, now we're getting good. Now the story's really going somewhere. So, yeah. So what that reminded me of was, uh, so his comments kind of reminded me of, was it, yeah. It was Gordon when mm -hmm. Gordon was talking about or when she was talking about Gordon and how as soon as a woman made an indication that she wanted him, then he lost interest. Mm -hmm. But at the beginning of the book, I like the way she describes um, people describing men and women and the difference. And when she says, did you ever notice that women can see common, seem common while men never do? You don't ever hear anyone describe a man's appearance as common. The common man means the average man, a typical man, a decent, hardworking person of modest dreams and resources. A common woman is a woman who looks cheap. A woman who looks cheap doesn't have to be respected. And so she has a certain value, a certain cheap value. And the reason that stood out to me mm -hmm. was I have, uh, I know male identifying people who mm -hmm. talk about women who do sex work, work as I don't even see them as a human being, which is kind of like, like they're just there to use. It's mm -hmm. just entertainment. They're not a real person. And I'm sitting here thinking like, I have friends who do sex work and mm -hmm. I can assure you they're very real people mm -hmm. with feelings. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. um, it's just the way everybody, every character in this book just views people as things to use right like they're mm. they're all really kind of narcissistic mm -hmm. in a way like each person has their use and other than that thing you're useless to me so that's why all the relationships are so transactional they're disposable mm. they're disposable everybody is very disposable yeah. yeah oh wow yeah that's why it's sad without mm -hmm. straight up saying it mm -hmm. you know yeah because she doesn't really straight up say that, but every mm. relationship is like that. And even the, yeah, her most important person other than her son was probably Jimmy Darling. Mm -hmm. And the way she describes, like, she's not totally heartbroken. She's just kind of like, he didn't call, you know, he didn't really respond when I told him I was on death row. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I guess that's over. You know, it's kind of like, yeah, well, that happened. <laughs> That's, that's moving on moving on <laughs> and then so uh just for time's sake um spoiler alert turn off the show if you have not finished the book um but so when serenity comes serenity is the trans woman who needed to be relocated she there's all this controversy and the day that she is brought onto the prison yard and she describes her as this, like, tall, beautiful woman coming onto the yard. And then everybody just goes nuts. And there's this huge brawl. And Romy um, 
escapes. She she puts a wooden dowel underneath the fence. She gets through the razor wire. She gets through the electric fence, and she just starts running and running and running and running. Which wasn't turned on or something. Remember, she was scared to touch it, and oh. she um, and it like didn't electrocute her. Oh, I don't even remember that detail. Yeah. I just assumed she didn't get electrocuted. Yeah, no, she. She, um, I don't know if I can find it. Um, well, well, what's wonderful is throughout the book, they've been comparing Gordon, who is a teacher within the prison that's kind of sometimes trying to help them. It's sometimes trying to stay out of their business, and it's very conflicted, and he's kind of an outside view of things. And his friends are kind of comparing him to living up in the woods like Ted Kaczynski, and there's sort of these different font one-page chapters that seem to be Ted Kaczynski's diary, and you just kind of get this, like, hey, I'm in the, I'm in nature, like in Walden Pond, like Thoreau, but then suddenly I really just want to commit a crime, you know? And that's kind of the way those little one-page diary entries are. But one of the things that they talk about was uh, he's up in the woods talking about how when you're out in nature, you suddenly, you're, all your senses change, and you can hear, like, somebody step on a twig, or you can hear an animal, and you can differentiate it from another animal. You can hear a bird in the wind. And suddenly she finds herself away from the prison and hearing nature and being in that big tree. And isn't that such an interesting departure of a mm-hmm. chapter? She's just having this, like, wondrous, I mean, she's starving and terrified and all that, but also she's just... It's so, like yeah. almost spiritual. Like yes. she's finally making some yeah. kind of emotional connection. And it, I did yes. find it. Um, yes. She says, I got through to the second fence, the electric one. The alarms were wailing and I was ready to risk death. I touched the fence with the dowel I'd made in shop. No shock. I nudged, I nudged the bottom of the fence, wedged it upward and slid in the dirt underneath, breath held, prepared to fry. But then I was on the other side, the dirt road where the perimeter truck travels. I had reached the edge of the universe. So, um, oh, I think she just means that the wood didn't conduct it. I don't know, man. Right? Like she's just she like, she got underneath of it. I mean, yeah. I like I think anything that touches an electric fence is likely to fry. Well, no, I don't think it has that to conduct would. electricity. Like like if you like some things just don't conduct electricity. Like I'm gonna you Google can it. Round things. You can things so if it was, right. If it was wood or rubber, those don't conduct electricity but how how far up would she have had to get the bottom of that fence to oh, get underneath yeah. the, to slide underneath i don't know we're gonna have touching. to do some I pictured, science I pictured, <laughs> no we're not i pictured her like a more petite person yeah so she probably didn't have to lift it up very right right well right. i'm gonna find out right i picture that and she, she was going under it not mm-hmm. like standing up but right yeah probably. so what's what's the conclusion is you know she's once her mother dies and once Gordon Hauser stops working there, she has really no hope of seeing her son, and it's driving her to, you know, it's the only thing she has. It's the only thing worth anything, and her escape is worth it because it's the only way. Like, it's her driving factor at the end, and she's she's out in nature, and I for sure thought of it as this spiritual thing Mm -hmm. you know and 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 when it ends it's kind of like it doesn't even matter what happens next because i feel like she crosses over i don't know if she gets shot and dies i don't know if she ends up going straight you know but it i felt like she got to i don't know yeah it was a spiritual thing i think what are you looking for i thought she felt i thought it, it felt really peaceful 
Yeah. Even though she went running out like a crazy person. But, I mean, I guess... Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to Google this. Like, I don't know what words to put in my Google. So Materials gonna... that conduct electricity or oh, don't. Jesus we want to know what we want to know what does and doesn't. So Google materials that con- that do not conduct electricity. This is why analysts are your friends. Mm-hmm. We think mm-hmm. of good keywords. Are you an search. analyst? Yeah, I'm a business and technical analyst. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we should find some books where you can be the expert. Get all nerdy and stuff? Yes. Oh, yeah. Dirty nerdy. <laughs> do it. <laughs> Analyze some things. What um, is happening? <laughs> <laughs> Just a little tinge. <laughs> I mean, she's got all those cute sloths over there. I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> Everybody just needs to calm down. <laughs> okay. So is there a song that we haven't played? Have we played the Mrs. Jones, first Mrs. Jones? All three. Oh, okay. Well, then let's end with... Um, Baby Got Back. <laughs> <laughs> let's end with um, the Rubber Room. You can start bringing it in. So thank you, Angie. Thank you, Amanda. Thank You're you. You're welcome. That I mean, was super interesting. <laughs> and um, thanks for listening. And I hope you continue to smoke weed and read books and learn and grow oh. in wonderful ways. Yes. How many bong hits? I give it two and a half bong hits. Oh, out of five. I would give it 4.6. How do you take Wait, a point six what of is a the bong scale? Hit? One through five bong hits. Okay. <laughs> One being the lowest, five yep, being the highest. Of yeah. course. Five is the highest. Five is Low. the highest. Five bong hits is the highest. For I sure. I'm gonna I'll give it a four. Okay. 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 I would recommend. I would recommend. I have a person in mind. I want to recommend oh, okay. this to. Yeah. Me 4. too. Me 6, too. Four point six. How do you even? Like, what measurement is that in a bowl? Break it down <laughs> for a shelly. In a bowl. Here's what I want to say. The next book is called Musicking, and I'm super excited because it's um. It's a book about like the the whole experience of music, like the person, the instrument, the instrument, the audience, the audience, like like what happens that makes it. Oh, he calls good. it musicking. Anyway, that's June nineteenth because I'll be traveling, um, and then so I've got to update you guys. But so musicking, and then after that, Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine, and then after that, I think it's called Hope in the dark or hope in the shadows <laughs> but that one I think is going to be timed really well because we're coming up on an election year and it's about like revolutionaries that didn't think they were ever going to change anything and then they did as far as I know mm. so um, those are the next three coming up and I'll post them on the Facebook page and I want to make that little notebook before the next show that's my goal and Sounds get a hat good. made okay Todd play that song <laughs> play us out and actually, you can keep bringing it up, but if you Google country songs about crimes and murder, slut. <laughs> In a building tall, with a stone wall around, there's a rubber room. When a man sees things and hears sounds, it's not there, he's headed for the rubber room 
illusions in a twisted mind to save from self-destruction. It's the rubber room where a man can run into the wall till his strength makes him fall and lie still and wait for help in the rubber room. From his blurry vision of doom, a cycle. <laughs> 